Today, we pick back up with everyone's favorite guest, Ben Pospisil. If you missed our first episode, go back and catch that one and come back and join us here for part two. Trust me, you do not want to miss his story, not one bit of it. So go back there if you haven't heard it, and then join us over here while we go into what his life was like after prison. Before diving into our convo with Ben, I have to remind you guys about how much I am loving my hair care products from Function of Beauty. I don't think my hair has loved a product more than this. Function of Beauty makes hair care products that are 100% customizable, made for your hair where it's at right now and where you want it to go. I've been using Function of Beauty since the start of the year and I'm telling all of my friends about it, including you. Function of Beauty is the world's first fully customizable hair care that creates individually filled shampoos, conditioners, styling, and treatment formulas based on the needs of your hair. Each product is individually designed to be as unique as you are. Function of Beauty offers over 54 trillion possible formulations. Each one of them is vegan and cruelty-free, and they never use sulfates or parabens. You can also go completely silicone-free. Here's how it works. First, take the quiz online to help build your hair profile and select five hair goals like lengthen, strengthen, and color protection were the ones that I chose. As the seasons change, so do our hair needs. And thankfully, function formulations are meant to be changed when your needs change also. So I just added anti-frizz to my summertime regimen. Next, choose your color and fragrance or go dye or fragrance free. I did dye free, but I am loving the eucalyptus scent personally. Then when you get your freshly filled formula delivered straight to your door, prepare for great hair days ahead. Say goodbye to generic hair care for good. Go to functionofbeauty.com slash CWK to take your hair goals quiz and you'll save 25% on your first order. So go to functionofbeauty.com slash CWK to let them know you heard about it from our show and get 25% off your first order. That's functionofbeauty.com slash CWK to take your hair quiz and save 25% on your first order. Now to Ben. OMG. Benny P. Thank We're you. back. I'm back. In popular demand, Ben Pospisil. Hi, guys. Your story has inspired so many people. So the stories I've gotten and the messages I've gotten, people are so inspired by your story. Mm. I think everyone loves a good redemption story of someone that seemed too far gone, right? But we <laughs> failed to answer what people would... I know the story of you getting out of prison and all of that and what your life looked like since. But one of my favorite messages I got, it was like, I feel like I just got hooked on a reality show that just got cut off. Like, I need to know what happens. <laughs> I was like, you know what? We didn't explain the beautiful story of your life after the fact and that you have gone on to have a career and get married and all these things that you would think would be impossible at, yeah. with your background. Yeah. So, okay. I want you to start with even that last like week or like what was the journey to the end? Yeah. So, um, the last week was more of like a preparation. So what's crazy is I had to transfer my parole, which parole is basically just supervision once you get out of prison and the state of California had to monitor me for three years. Okay. That was my parole. My family wanted to get out of California because I, I got two strikes from this and California is three strikes are out. So when I left California prison, I left with two strikes at 25 years old. Yeah. So like if you were in a, a car accident, that was totally an accident and someone died, right? Like, it, could you have gotten an accidental strike and what it means, explain to them what three strikes is. So, so, so in, in California and the laws have changed since since I left, but basically what it was when I left was if you get three strikes, you're out. 
Okay, so like one guy robbed two people and then a third time he robbed a donut store that was in there and he got life in prison. Now, they've changed it now to violent crimes. So for me, in my example, if I were to go out and get in a fight and mm -hmm. hurt someone, the, the state of California could have sent me away for life. For life, which so, to be clear, you haven't had a fight since then. Correct. A physical fight. <laughs> correct. So for my family, they were like, let's get out of California. So my mom and family was able to thankfully transfer my entire parole, my entire supervision to the state of Alabama, because that's where my mom was in medical. And so they moved to Alabama. They, my mom was like, we want you to come with us. What would it take for you to follow us out to Alabama? And I was like, honestly, if you live on a golf course or water, I'll go with you. <laughs> so they're like, okay. So they bought a beautiful house on the river. We were able to transfer my parole there. But the last week, I was just kind of giving away all the stuff I had accumulated in prison. Yeah. So all my really good books, all the food from working in the kitchen. I was actually helping coordinate someone transitioning into my cool bed in my cool cell that I had for two years and training the guy who was going to take over my spot, which I don't remember who it was, but take over my spot in the kitchen. And then the packages and all the other things yeah. I was doing. The day of release, you basically got to go through this checkout process. So they bring you in, you get your family sends you clothes, your family sends you like your parole clothes, right? So I didn't have any clothes. So they sent me like my day of release clothes. So I got a package in the mail or through the, through the package window. And I put my clothes on, walked to this double gated guard shack and they would like make sure I was Ben Pospisil. They'd make sure that like I was actually scheduled to be released that day. And then my parents were outside that second gate waiting for me in the parking lot. So I hopped in the car and there was, you know, my mom, my dad, my nephew, Matt, grandma, grandpa, and myself. So <laughs> we hopped in the car and what was crazy, I was telling you about this. What was crazy is keep in mind, I had been locked behind closed doors for five years, four years, four months. And so my speed never reached faster than I can run. Yeah, then right? like four miles an hour. Right. Well, I could probably run. Well, I know. Sorry, walking's like three miles. <laughs> the first thing that was crazy was how fast the car went. And people don't realize that like driving 35 miles an hour in a 55 was, was obviously slow. But for me, that was like, it was causing massive stress and panic. And so I told my mom, I was like, can we slow down? And she's like, Ben, we're going 20 miles on the speed limit. I'm like, I know, but this is causing me to, pa I'm panicking. And so they had to slow down and then they introduced, at the time it was a flip phone. So they're like, you have a phone. In prison, I have to, I only get 15 minutes on a phone call. And if I want to call them back, I have to like, if there's no line, I can call my family back. So when my mom handed me a flip phone in 2005, mm. I was able to call everyone and talk to them for as long as I wanted. It was super cool. So I'm like dealing with the stress of driving fast. We're like in central California and we're heading to go get lunch. Cause I think I got out like at nine or 10 in the morning. So I'm on the phone, I'm calling everyone. I actually have a video of it. My dad still has it. You know, the quality is okay, but it's crazy. Cause I'm like, whoa. This is insane. I'm talking to my brothers, my family, everybody. And they bring me to this Mexican restaurant because I love Mexican food. And when I sat down at the table was a knife and a fork, like a sharp knife. And I remember sitting down and I'm like looking at the fork and the knife. And I'm thinking, this is the first time that I've seen a metal knife and a metal fork in five years. Right? Unreal. Yeah. I mean, that makes perfect sense. I wouldn't allow knives in prison. Right. <laughs> it makes perfect sense. But like something you don't really think about. So that was one thing that I remember. And then the other thing was I had to use the restroom and I went to the bathroom and it was one of those single stall bathrooms in the Mexican restaurant and you can lock it behind closed doors. So I remember locking the door and thinking nobody can come in here. 
Like I just mm. locked myself in this room and like it's private. And so the privacy thing, the access to weapons, right? Right. <laughs> or food utensils, whatever yeah. you want to call it. That was pretty crazy. So that day we drove from Bakersfield. Prison I, I paroled from was, yeah. was CSATF. And I went from that down to San Diego. I stayed with um, a couple friends. I remember going to San Diego and that night, I went over to people's houses. I played guitar. They wanted me to like sing them songs. So I'm like literally performing shows for people. There's like, I have a video and a picture of me playing in front of like 30 people in this beautiful mansion house, which I had never like. Wait, was, why though? Wait, what? Because, because who are these people? These were people who were writing me letters during my four and a half years. So they all met at this house as like Ben's release date Aww. party. And so they made me like perform all the songs that I learned because I learned guitar. And the videos are terrible. It's like me singing. This is and, so sweet. Yeah. And so I'm like singing all the songs. And I wrote like, I've got a whole booklet of songs. I don't remember how they go now. But at the time, I remembered all the songs that I wrote. Because I would sit out in the yard and write songs. So I wrote all these songs. And they wanted me to play all these songs for them. And the next day, I flew to Alabama. And so oh, wow. that was like, that was the transition. Like from from California to Alabama. Wait, I need to interject right here and say, do you remember the surprise party we threw at you? Do you remember this? Oh my gosh. I do remember this. Ben's 10 out of the pen party. 10 out of the pen. I don't know why. When you told me your initial story, I wrote down the date that you got out for whatever reason. So and you were responsible for this party? Yes. Who do you, you think Russell came up with that? <laughs> no. No, I was crying. Like when I, when I walked up at that, at that venue, it was like in Nashville somewhere. Yeah. It was at cinema in Nashville. It was it, brand new at the time. On, on 8th Avenue. And I was like, I wrote down the date and I was, cause wow. we were close to it when we met you, like it was within the next year or two. Yep. And I was like, we need to know this date. It's really important to him. Well, I met you guys in 2014 of December and April 23rd, 2005 was when I got out. Yes, yeah. So it was literally four was six months. Six months, whatever, less than six months, yeah. Yeah, it was like four months. It was like 120 days after we met. That was yeah. my 10-year anniversary. Yeah. And no, I mean, you know. When you're I invited all your friends. We planned it. We're like, hey, we got a party up here. And you were just, I think you just thought you were meeting us. I can't remember. Yes. No, you kept it super stealth. And then, and then you walked up and we're like, happy 10, Ben's 10 out of the pen. Like I made an invite and everything. I know. You I wonder if I can find it. It was real cute. Please find it. Because you know what? I remember walking up the stairs and seeing everyone. And I'm like, what is this? And when you guys told me what it was, I, I, I bawled. I started yeah. crying. I was just like. No one's ever done this for me. This is amazing. So that was a super, super cool celebration. But that was, that was you know, 10 years after me. 10 years, yeah. But I went to Alabama. My very first job that I got was 90 days after I got out. And it was at a golf course at Robert Trent Jones Golf Course in, in Florence, Alabama. And I, I just remember like being on the course six in the morning starting work and just mowing greens and just thinking... I'm out here in the middle of nowhere. No one's out here. I had my music in my Bluetooth just came out. So that was super cool. <laughs> and I remember like mowing greens, listening to like music and just being like, I'm free. Like, this mm -hmm. is amazing. And I had that job for a while. And then I just got tired of waking up at five o'clock in the morning, going to work. So I'm like, all right, this is over. And one of my friends in Florence, Alabama asked me if I wanted to be a DJ at a Christian radio station. Cause I came in during their share just to like share my story. And mm -hmm. the, the man, the station manager was like, have you ever considered being a DJ? You have a great voice. Like you do. 
Thank you. I also heard that feedback from this episode, well, the other episode, you know. <laughs> and so I got a job as a disc jockey. Like there's a there was a potential DJ Benny P. Yeah, and also Benny P was not my choice. That was not <laughs> what I picked. It was the station manager. He picked it. Mark, I don't remember his name, 91.3 FM the fix. <laughs> and I remember having a job and the second job I had was working at the radio station and I was doing the morning show once again, 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. The morning drive. And I'm like, I can't, I got to get away from these morning deals, dude. <laughs> but I lived really close to the station. I lived walking distance from the station. Casey Jones, this guy, Casey Jones, and I were the DJ. And I just, at the time, I was like, I'm not trying to wake up at six in the morning. I hated it. It was like, this is ridiculous. When I was in prison, I got to sleep in whenever, as long as I wanted. And now you want me to get up to make money at six in the morning. Not going to happen. So like at the top of the hour, they'd be like, did it, 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 like, like, you know, like the news kind of intro to like a really exciting time from like 10 PM till 5.59, it was all automated. And that six to 10, it was live, right? So I'd have to be there at the opening hour to talk about what we had for the hour, the news, what we're doing and every 15 minutes, we'd be talking about something, right? At the top of the hour is like what's coming up for the hour at 6.15, it'd be like the news, 6.30, blah, blah. So towards the end, I started like not waking up. Like I was just like sleeping in. And there'd be times when the top of the hour is six o'clock to be like, and like Casey Jones, that was his name. They'd be like, hey, Benny P and Casey Jones are here, but actually Ben's on his way. <laughs> he's not here yet, but you got me. And I think he's on his way. He'll be here really soon. We think he's on. <laughs> And I'd be like running to the studio like 630 and I'm like, dude, this is not going to work. I'm not a DJ. <laughs> and um, I ended up getting fired. Kales, I don't know if you know this. Yeah, no, I do know this. The station manager was so sweet. He was very patient. You know, he knew I was an ex-con. So he's like, we got to give this dude a chance to get back into society. Shout out. Shout out. Shout out to Mark. So I got this, I got this job and I just couldn't show up to work yeah. at 6 a.m. And I was like, you know what? It's not working for me. Mark was like. I didn't tell the station manager that I was really trying to push through. And um, Mark was like, Ben, I love you. You have a great voice, but I need you here. So then he switched me to four to six or four to 10, whatever it was. And I'm like, not trying to do that either because it's like the prime time for all my friends. So I ended up just quitting, but I got this job. I worked at a chicken restaurant, like a, like a, like a, you know, Zaxby's or a Chick-fil-A style. Oh. And I was the, I was the the restaurant manager. And then I got another job as a Gold's Gym sales manager, and I took the memberships from 300 people to like 3,000 people. So that was really cool. And I realized, oh, I'm like a really good salesman, a salesman slash entrepreneur, like because I put this entire sales plan together. So I got that. And then I had a friend come to me, and he was like, have you ever considered doing construction and real estate? And I'm like, that's my whole background. Like, my whole family has done this my whole lives. And this one lady in Florence, Alabama hired me and she was like, do you want to come build a treehouse for my daughter? And they were super successful in Florence. They were jewelers. And she's like, I just want this beautiful treehouse. And if you look on my Facebook, you can see the treehouse. It's like my, one of my first posts. I've got pictures of it. And she said, I'll buy all your tools, but you've got to build the treehouse. And I've got two weeks in Destin, Florida at my condo. I'll give you. So all my tools plus two weeks at the, at the Florida condo. Well, heck yeah. And so I was like, done. At the time, I'm like trying to get out of the chicken business, right? <laughs> 
So I built this awesome treehouse by myself. I had a couple friends that helped me like randomly, but for the most part, I built it myself and I had all these tools. And so then I had a friend hit me up and they're like, hey, do you want to start remodeling homes with me? I'll pay you blah, 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 whatever. Yeah. And so at the same time, I also put an ad in the local newspaper that I'll do anything for $12 an hour. That's I'm like, a precarious thing to put on the internet. Yeah. And I'm going to be honest. And the jobs that I did. <laughs> we don't encourage this behavior. <laughs> well, it was all really, hopefully I was hoping that it would keep it all towards like homes and stuff. I think right. even the ad. Like junk removal. Yeah. I'm not going to yeah. give, I'm not going to give your dog a massage. Right. <laughs> There yeah. were limits. Yeah. So the first job I had was like insulating this guy's, I had to crawl in this crawl space. It was only like 12 inches clearance. Oh, that sounds terrible. And I'm like insulating his water lines. And then one lady wanted me to buy her groceries for her before Uber Eats and all the fun yeah. little apps. I was doing that. Very, very like what progressive, I guess you would call yes. it. Yes, you were ahead of your time. I was ahead of the game. And so they had me like pick up groceries, clean leaves out of gutters. Your personal experience, actually, it's known commonly that it's hard to get a job when you're a felon. But in your experience, you did get jobs. I did get jobs. And speaking of that, you don't know the story. So one of my friends from church was like, hey, do you know construction? I'm like, yes. He's like, all right, well, I've got this ironworking job in the union uh-huh. that you can make 17, 15 hour plus overtime. Obviously, it was a super sweet gig. And they went to Brown's Ferry in Florence, Alabama as a nuclear power plant. Okay. Okay. Do you know the story? No. Oh my gosh. I love that I don't know the this story. This is amazing. I get hired and I'm building these roofs and doing metal work for these different buildings. Massive, massive jobs, billion dollar jobs. And I'm just a small piece, okay? I'm there and I'm up on the roof and it's like my first week and the guy's like, just want to let you know, dropping things at this power plant from the roof, which we were 30, 40, 50 stories up, oh. dropping stuff is like... No, no, you don't drop things because yeah, you could kill someone. You could kill someone. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, I got it. I'm, 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 I know how to weld. I know how to cut metal, and I'm good. So I'm up on the roof, and when you wear a hard hat, they have these attachments where you could put a face shield on to prevent like any sparks and like metal from hitting your face while you're cutting metal. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the day we start the project, somehow I don't know how this happens, but I'm the guy cutting the metal, not the guy who's been there for ten years. I'm like, let's put the no new surprise. guy. I'm dangling off this corner. 30, 40 stories up. And I can't do the head motion verbally, but you basically like say no. Nod. Like, like a nod. nod and you, you, the mask falls down over your face because you got your hands full. You're holding your grinder in your hand. And they're like, don't drop anything. And so I drop my head to make the face mask cover my face. The whole freaking hard hat comes uh-uh. off my head and just falls in the air all the way down 30 uh-uh. stories. And my feet are tingling just hearing this story. 30 stories down and smashes this delivery truck's hood and like dents it like it's like probably 12 inches deep the dent is massive and they were like that can never happen again they're like don't ever let that happen again so i went from 17 to 12 and then i started getting hired and i started increasing my pay from 12 dollars an hour i switched the ad removed it put a new one up for 15 and i'm like "Mm, hope i can get that you know not understanding my worth was probably 100 now i'm charging 150 dollars plus an hour but at the time i was like I'll do 15 an hour. So people started hiring me to do all these cleaning jobs. And I was like, I'm going to do 17 an hour. I think I can get 17. And then my transition to 50 was like my big one or to 25. I was like, I'm going to do 25 bucks. I'm just going to tell people I'm $25 an hour. I just did it. And people started hiring me. They're like, you're fun. You're exciting. You're reliable. Yeah. You do a really good job. Unless so, it's 6 a.m. But yeah. Yeah. If it's 6 a.m., I'm out. <laughs> 
right? Not oh, reliable. Other yeah. than that, so reliable. I do 25 and then I get to 50 and I, I, then I, then I get a friend that calls me and says, Hey, do you want to help me remodel my flips in Huntsville, Alabama? So I go out there and do like 10 homes. I flip 10 homes with them and he's paying me 17 bucks an hour or $25 an hour. And then I transition into being a partner with him. And I'm like, I'm just going to take a percentage of the job because I had enough money accumulated in savings kind of saved up. And I was like, I'm just going to do a percentage. So I did that. And then I moved to Nashville. Taking a quick break to have a moment with my fellow parents with little ones out there. If you haven't started using Coterie diapers, what are you waiting for? They are game-changing diapers for parents everywhere. There are so many questionable materials and baby products these days, and you want to keep your baby safe and protected without sacrificing their comfort. With Coterie, your baby can have both the cleanest and highest-performing diapers with a comfortable feel. Coterie is the highest-performing diaper on the market for infants and toddlers with up to 2% more liquid capacity and up to four times faster moisture wicking compared to other brands. Your baby stays drier longer and Coterie parents report fewer nighttime diaper changes, which can lead to better quality sleep, not just for your baby, but for you. Hallelujah. These diapers are made with clothing grade material, so your baby is more comfortable for longer day and night. They are dermatologist tested and use only the cleanest ingredients. Plus, Coterie wipes are amazing. They're my favorite. They're extra thick and durable. They're approved by the National Eczema Association and environmentally friendly. Forget about nighttime time leaks and wet sheets, try the Rolls-Royce of diapers, Coterie, which was voted top diaper to include in your registry in the 2022 Best for Baby Awards by parents. We personally did their subscription program and it is so nice to take, remember to get diapers off of your list. They just show up when you need them. It's incredible. Right now, Coterie is partnering with my podcast to offer you 20% off your first order plus free shipping at Coterie.com slash coffee with Kaylee. That's Coterie spelled C-O-T-E-R-I-E.com slash coffee with Kaylee for 20% off and that's free shipping coterie.com slash coffee with Kaylee now back to Ben we got to go back because actually this is a very interesting fact that you were married before Samo I was and I think that story deserves to be told also yes and that happened in Huntsville so when we met you you had been divorced already yes I had so I met I met my ex-wife in 2007 I tried to go to college okay this was in 2007 so this is two years after I got out this is probably put the ad in the paper and I'm like scrambling to figure out a plan I'm like I don't know what I'm doing I trust God but I also like I'm not seeing any opportunities here because no one's gonna hire me Mm -hmm. so I'm like let me just go to college for whatever business and I do a year in college and I realized all they teach you in college or all I, I experienced was how to be a good employee, right? And so I'm a big mm. advocate of Robert Kiyosaki and Rich Dad Poor Dad, if you ever read those books, but he teaches you how to make money work for you, like how to how to not work for money, but make money work for you. And mm. so I was like, okay, this is really intriguing. So, so I went to college and I realized after, I think two semesters, also side note, I took college in prison. The, oh, I didn't know that either. You didn't know that. So the last, I think the last year of me being in prison, I took psychology. So I got four credits. So I'm like, let me apply these to my 20 credits. So I only need 60. And they recognized them at this college. It was, oh, that's awesome. It was, it was rec- like, but I think there's a word for it, but accredited. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the college I went to in prison was accredited. So like I was able to transfer those to this Alabama college. And I went to college and I met my ex-wife in there, but she was going to school to be a nurse. And so I was like, 
college doesn't work for me. I think I can do this job working. I got all these tools. I'm gonna work for this guy. So I helped put her through college. Like I helped pay all the bills and we bought a home in Florence, Alabama. And um, that's when I bought Andy in 07, mm. my dog, my standard poodle, 60 pound poodle. Angel. Most, he was an angel. The perfect dog. This is when I really like truly transition into being an entrepreneur. I was like, I'm just gonna work for myself. I don't, I don't like helping other people make money. If I'm not making the money working at these, yeah. you know, I worked at gold's gym and these different, this chicken restaurant and the radio station. I realized everyone's making tons of money off of me and I want to be the one to make the money. So started, you know, making 25, 50 bucks an hour. She got a job at Vanderbilt in Nashville and we prayed about it. Like we were like, all right, if we're supposed to go, this job will come through and it came through. So we moved up there and um, we moved to Nashville and I moved into this little condo in, in near Vanderbilt. And I started networking with these different property management companies. And I worked for this really successful management company up there. Uh, and they had a ton of properties. And so I worked with one property manager and I started working on all of his, all of his portfolio, the stuff that he managed personally. And so I was making really good money. So I'm at this time, I'm working for this property management company and things were going really well. She was working nights, I think at the time, and I'm working days doing this property management deal. And I was like, we were doing really well. But were you guys doing really well? I think our transition to Nashville was what caused us to eventually not work out because mm -hmm. she even told me like towards the end of the, the marriage that us moving to Nashville is kind of like... Like if we would have stayed in Florence, Alabama, it would you know it could have worked out, which I don't agree with. But she started working as a nurse and working in the healthcare system alone. And I've got friends who are directors of yeah, you know, it's a lot, you know, Stephen. Yeah, and so it's a lot. I mean, and you're you're exposed to a lot of like really trashy environments. And so she was exposed to this, and I just started noticing like we're fighting more, we're kind of picking on each other a little bit more in a negative sense, it's not as fun as it was. We're busier, we're not seeing each other as much. We got to a point where I just felt super disconnected from her. And I'm like, we're going to church, like we're plugged mm -hmm. in, we have a community, but her and I, we just weren't, we weren't firing on all cylinders. And I remember thinking, this is tough, like this is not good. And we got to a point where one day, we're still renting. We haven't bought a home yet. We're still renting and we're feeling super disconnected. Like I don't feel close to her at all. And I remember driving to our house and looking over in the corner of my eye without her knowing. And I see that she typed in a password that she had never had for the entire seven years or five or seven years that we were together. She always had the same password. Mm -hmm. And this time I looked over and I'm like, oh, that's like a totally different one. So not only are we feeling disconnected, but you're not around me all the time. You're hanging out with people I don't know, really. Mm -hmm. I'm not really close with. And now you got a different password. Red and flags, red flags. Red, red flags, flags, red flags. I noticed that she was texting this person that I wasn't aware of from her work. I, I questioned it really quickly, but I'm also very trusting. So I'm like, okay, cool. And once I saw the password change and the fights we were having, I was like, I need to look into this. So one night in her home, this is probably, we got married in 2007. This, we moved to Nashville in 2010. This was in 2011, towards the end of 11. And I grabbed her phone and on her phone, she was sleeping, it was like 12, 30 at night. I grabbed her phone, I'm like, this is not working. This is really bad, something's going on. I grabbed her phone and I typed in the password I saw in the car and I instantly started scanning through her entire phone. And in the Google history, it said, how to recover after having an affair. 
Mm. And it's just like my entire heart dropped because I'm super loyal. I'm down for the, like, I'm down to grind. I'm down to like make stuff work and to, to see someone looking for options on how to recover from something. I was like, this is foreign to me. So I woke her up and I was like, Mm. what happened? And she's like, why are you looking to my phone? Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, let's just skip that. Yeah. What's, what's going on? Like this is, we're beyond trying to figure out what's going on. So she was like, you deserve better. And I'm like, no, I don't. I married you. Like, Mm -hmm. this is, this was the whole reason I married you is because I'm committed to this process. And she's like, you deserve better. Go find someone else. And oh my gosh. Yeah. It was, it was super rough. And I told her, I was like, I'm, I don't care if you were with a thousand people or if you just don't feel well about our marriage. I'm in this thing. I'm down. Mm -hmm. And, and, I'm I'm here for it for the long haul. I'm I believe in marriage. I believe that marriage is being attacked, and I believe that that as as a married spouse, we have an obligation to fight for each other, right? Even if you're at your lowest point, like I'm down to make this happen. And I think yeah. I think a lot of my like tenacity to push through was came from me being in prison, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I told her I was like I'm down to fight, and so she's like, "Nope, you deserve better." I realized that she wasn't giving in; she wasn't willing to make it work. And I know that everyone paints a picture in a marriage that doesn't work. That like it was always the other person. No, I messed up. I got angry. I did yell and get get angry over stupid things, and I played a role in that divorce as well. Mm. But at the end of the day, I was down to make it work. I was down to see a psychologist, counselor, whatever you want to call it. And she just was like, just just move on. And so I did. So that was in 2012. We got divorced. And so I mean, we met really shortly after that. I don't think I realized. You were pretty freshly divorced. Yeah, I was freshly divorced. Man. So obviously that's devastating. I've heard you say, and you can elaborate, that the hardest, most heartbreaking thing in your life wasn't going to prison. It was that. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. that gut-wrenching, how is this my life feeling didn't actually, I'm sure you had that in prison, but this was even harder. And I think prison is something that's really unrelatable to a lot of people, but there's a lot of people who've gone through what you went through. And to know that your experience as someone who, if you have gone through divorce or anything like that, I can't speak to that, Mm -hmm. but you can. And that was so much harder than an incredibly difficult thing that most people don't ever experience. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think one of the questions that, that someone asked you on your Instagram page yeah. today was like, how do you deal with someone who like, what was the question? Yeah. One of them was, what do you do with someone as who, a Christian? How do you reconcile divorce? How do you heal from divorce? How do you move on? How do you go through it? And it's incredibly difficult. I mean, we both hold the same opinion, like marriage is for life, even Jesus, when it was talking, you really were Jesus to her in that moment because everyone was asking him, what are the qualifications for divorce? And he didn't even want to say an affair. Like he said, because you've hardened your hearts Mm -hmm. is what he said. It is that marriage really is for life. We both firmly believe that. And I just love that even when you were super heartbroken, you were willing to fight. Yeah. Well, and also C.S. Lewis and Mere Christianity talks about that in order to truly experience love, you have to be completely vulnerable. Hmm. Like you have to put, you have to put your entire heart on the line. Like you got, if you want to experience true love, like yeah. if you want to experience the trueness of love, like Jesus did, he died for us. If you want to experience what that feels like, 
then you have to be in a, you have to be willing to take your entire heart mm-hmm. and give it to the other person and say, this is yours. Do yeah. what you want with it. Wow. Yeah. Woo. That is, that's the truth. It is. There's nothing scarier. There yeah. really isn't. But there's also nothing more fulfilling. It's the most beautiful yeah. vulnerability you could ever have. Yeah. So for me, I was like, I'm down to push through this. Mm-hmm. I'm willing to be the most vulnerable. And I think what happens in marriage is people are like, this isn't working. I'm not happy. Okay, well, it's not about you though. Yeah. Right? And everyone says we're 50-50 in this. No, you're not. You're 100%. Yeah. And and in order for you, even when the other person's 25% and you're 100, your job is to be there to bring that person back to 100. Yeah. Your job is to stick around and push through and be like, I'm down to do whatever it takes. And I yeah. told her that. I will do whatever it takes to make this work. Mm-hmm. And I think at the end of the day, you had another question on Insta was like, what do you do when someone's not there and you're believing for a miracle? Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, it's like, you have to give them your heart and be fully vulnerable mm-hmm. and just believe that it's it's God who does the changing. It's not you. Yeah. It's not your words. It's not your manipulation of the situation. No. It's not you yeah. counseling them or going to counseling. It's believing that God can change this person's heart. But God's not going to come like a, like a like a computer program and and just do something for you just because yeah. you're putting a quarter. There's in free the will. There's free will. I'm with you. Like you can intercede, mm-hmm. and there's prayer. I think you can accomplish so much more in praying for someone than you can in confronting someone. And I think that's a big piece of it. But you also cannot make someone do something. No, there is free will. That's how God created it. And here we are. Like we're at the mercy of other people's free will. I think that's what really matters in who you choose. Yep. Because free will does exist. But here's the crazy thing is I chose this girl and we were really healthy. But life came and, and caused this division in our marriage. And maybe it was through selfishness that a lot of this was encouraged and pushed along. But at the end of the day, whether you're married to the person or they're a family member and they're away or they're falling away, you have to be vulnerable Mm. and you have to be willing to not think about yourself and be like, what is it going to take for this situation to reconcile? And the only thing that I've experienced in my life and just the small things that I've, I've gone through is that you have to be willing to be vulnerable and not think about yourself, but think about the other person and be like, I'm down to put my neck on the line here and take my heart and hand it over to this person, this situation, this, whatever it is. And be like, God, you know where I'm at. You know where my heart is. And like, I'm, I'm willing to invest a thousand percent of my efforts into this Mm -hmm. and whether it happens or not, it's like, yeah, that, that, that's, that's what I've seen. I also want to throw in the caveat here of we're talking about non-abusive marriages, by the way. True. So, yes. But if you are in an abusive situation, please get help. Please seek help. Um, I do fully encourage counseling uh, for anyone in marriage. Russ and I have done it, love it, have our own individual, have support groups. I mean, like, I think counseling's a really beautiful thing. Yes. Um, but you... I mean, your story is just redemption on redemption on redemption. It is like you had such a negative first marriage experience. I truly forget that you have been married before. Like that is, I don't look at you and be like, well, this is his second marriage. Like I, (laughs) granted, I didn't know her. I mean, God redeemed in a real big way. Well, can we just talk about Sam for 10 seconds? Because the reason Ben knows his wife is because we share a bestie, Cammie. Yep. And Cammie has been on here. You've heard from her. She's incredible. 
she and Samo were best friends all through high school. Yeah, since so, like third grade or fifth so grade. So Samo never even lived in Nashville. None of that. Her real name is Suzanne. Suzanne, yes. And there's a story behind why she's called Samo, but that's It's so name. cute. It's so her. Yeah. And so she was in town visiting. Yep. She went to a women's retreat with me and Cammie. And you came to church with us. Well, Russell texted me that morning uh-huh. on Sunday. The only time you'd been to that church we were at. Was this day. Was this day. Yeah. And I was actually supposed to play soccer. I had a soccer game at two, yeah. but I thought it was at three. So I showed up and Russell's like, dude, come to church with me. And I'm like, I got a soccer game. Sorry, I can't. So I showed up to the soccer game at three. Priorities here, guys. Yeah, dude. Sorry. <laughs> Lord, we love you. Buddy. Learn from then. Don't go to the soccer game. Go to church. You could meet your wife. <laughs> <laughs> so I showed up to the game and it was over. And I'm like, okay, guess this didn't work out. So I call Russell. I'm like, dude, where am I going? He's like, come to this church. So I go and Cammy and I lived with you guys during mm-hmm. my my nine months, which was supposed to be 60 days, during my nine-month stint with you guys. And Cammy and I became super, super close. And when I met, when I walked up, when I pulled up to the church and we're like, there's like 10 of us because they're all coming from a retreat, a woman's retreat. Yeah. And I remember walking in and Sam was very punctual. She doesn't like to be late. She's like, she, she's very on top of it. And so her and I are the first ones walking into the church and there's like 10, 20 people behind us. I don't even know what it was. And she's like, I've heard of you. You're Ben. And I'm like, well, I haven't heard of you. Who are you? <laughs> and so we went into church and I saw her worshiping and like, I was like, this girl is smoking hot. And so I went up to Cammy and I'm like, who is that? And she's like, oh my gosh, Ben. Yes, 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 a thousand percent. She's like, why haven't I never thought about this? And so I was like, what are you guys doing after church, right? So here's my salesman coming out. And I told Cammy, I was like, she's like, well, we got to leave because it's, it's going to end at mm-hmm. four or five or whatever it was. And we got to drive back to Dallas. So I told Cammy, I told Samo, I was like, hey, can we go after, can we go after church and go to lunch somewhere? And Sam was like, um, always thinking of everybody else very loyal to her friend group. And she's like, if you can convince them to come to lunch, then I'll go. And I'm like, Oh girl, is this a challenge? Are you challenging me? Okay. I got this. So I went directly to Cammy and I was like, Cammy, look at me in the eyes. Here's two fingers pointing to me and your eyes. I was like, look at me. We're going to get lunch. I need 30 minutes of your time. I'll whatever. And she's like, okay, let's do it. So we went to Payway mm-hmm. and we, we're all great romances stars. Yeah. yeah. Payway. <laughs> Who doesn't love talking about love or a bowl of pad thai? <laughs> that Mongolian beef though is fire. But Keep going. For real. For real. Also the, um, what's the cheese? What, what's the, um, crab rangoon. Thank you. Oh, sweet Jesus. Amazing. We love you for their so, crab so, rangoon. So I actually, I don't believe in fortune cookies, but I think they're cute, but I also believe that God could speak to donkeys, right? Yeah. So we can talk through a cookie. So we can talk through a cookie. And so I opened my cookie and it said, this is just me like solo thinking about myself. And I'm thinking this girl's hot. I can't believe I even made it. Someone was sitting directly across from her. I made him scoot over because I wanted to sit next to her, like across from her. And she was tapping my foot, but the, all, that's just, she's a little fidgety. So she was kicking my foot. And I'm like, oh, this girl is into me. Let's see. Let's go, girl. <laughs> <laughs> and so we're talking, hitting the, each other's feet. I'm like, oh, this girl, this is easy. Well, later find out she was never playing footsie. Did it, she actually thought I was the stand for the table. <laughs> so that kind of got thrown out. And then I saw my fortune cookie and it was like, you will soon meet your secret admirer. That's what it was. That's what it is. You'll yeah. meet your secret admirer soon. And I was like, let's go, father. <laughs> and then we left and I'm like, I don't even know how to transition into like talking to this girl. 
Like, I don't know what to do. I can ask her for a phone number, but I leave it. I got Cammy's number. I'll text her if I want to get her number. We were well, scheming, and I was like, well, I'll what? give Samo's number to Ben. You give Ben's number to Samo. Yes. Okay. So, so Cammy texts me, and you also, real quick, pause, commercial break. You told me a piece of advice that literally caused us to go the entire way to marriage. And what you said was, my only advice to you, Ben, is stay 10 steps behind her. Remember mm-hmm. that? Yeah. And I was like, that is the best advice in the world. Well, it's, it's that's why you can't give blanket dating advice because in most scenarios, I tell dudes to be the pursuers, take the lead, right. be a mighty man of God, like yep. do the thing. But with Samo, I knew her yep. and she is a little skittish and was a little skittish. And well, I was she's like, a, she's also gorgeous and, and you never dated anyone seriously. Yes. And you are all in, you love big. And I was like, that's going to freak her out. And so I was, it was specific to you. Okay. Well, that's why you. you can't give blanket. Like in every scenario, you have to do this, this or that. Like it's yeah. everything's tailored well, to who also, you're talking to. You're also the relationship advice guru. So I, I'm so but, so so you, you guys that. you guys colluded together. And, we did, we did. And I get a text message from Cammy that day, that like maybe two hours later, and she's like, "Hey, just want you to know, Samo wanted you to have her number, so just go ahead and give her a call." And apparently, you guys were talking yes. and told Samo that I asked for her number, yes. and that Ben wanted to know if he can call you. <laughs> and it took three years, dude. Like <laughs> we're talking three years of us talking to ever find out. Like we actually had a, like a small light funny argument i was like oh babe you and i both know you gave me your number and she's like oh honey no (laughs) don't don't do not like no we are the ultimate wing woman yeah we are so we didn't find out till three years later that (laughs) neither of us ever offered our phone number (laughs) and so what's funny is from that day from payway that was in 2015 and i have my instagram post has a picture of us standing outside with my dog andy and there's like all the people that were at yeah. Payway, all the girls that went, plus me and Russell and one other guy. And from that day, we talked every single day. And it wasn't until it wasn't until maybe a year of me talking that one of my other really, really close friends, Jess, told me, he's like, what are you doing? Why don't you go to Dallas and go like meet mm. her? Go see her. And so I was like. Y'all talk, yeah, it was like three months or something. It was like a while. Yeah, we talked every day. And like you we hadn't texting. seen each other, yeah. Yeah, and I was staying. I was staying ten steps behind her. Good job. If she texted me, I wouldn't respond back. I'd well, like, don't do that. I mean, not not like immediately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, I would respond back, but I wouldn't do it like as soon as I get it, I respond. Yeah, I'd be like, let me give this like 10, 15 minutes because I'm busy, quote quote. <laughs> but honest, the reality of it was, I was like waiting for her to text me back. I ended up talking with her for that two years, so from two thousand fifteen to two thousand seventeen. I moved into Dallas in 2019. I sold all my real estate in Nashville. So I had I had some Airbnbs and some rentals out here in Nashville. Sold them all. Took all my cash. Bought my first duplex in Dallas. And Cammie and Steven live next door to us. Yeah. And it was on Hope Street, which that was Cammie's word for the year that I proposed to her. I proposed to, to Sam to yeah. in 2018 on the steps of my duplex that I bought. We both realized, okay, I need 
we need to figure out who's going where because this is working out really well. I was super attracted to her. I was like, I've got to marry this girl. She at the time was 26 years old, had never, was still a virgin, had never been married before, never really had a serious relationship. And I'm like, I need to lock this girl up. Like this mm-hmm. thing, I gotta, I gotta pick her up. Cause God she, gave you gold. She gave me a nugget. And I like, I really felt like the Lord was like, this is the prize in the field that you have to buy the whole field. Mm. So, and one of my mentors in Nashville was like, if you make her move to Dallas away from all of her family and friends. If you guys ever get in a fight, she's going to resent you. Mm. She possibly could resent you because she's like, you pulled me away from my friends and this didn't work out. Mm. And now I'm out here. So I was like, all right, well, I'm down. So I sold everything, sold everything I had to buy the field. And I moved to Dallas, started out in a totally foreign, foreign environment. And I bought a duplex and that is the duplex that I proposed to on the steps of in 2018. And then 2019, we got married. And I've been in Dallas ever since. <laughs> fun, fun fact about Ben's wedding. Russ thought he was a groomsman. So did Steven. Cammy's so husband. About seven other of my really close I, friends. I really think he like asked everybody and then forgot he asked everybody. No, actually what happened is <laughs> I invited all my closest friends to my bachelor party and they just assumed they were all groomsmen. <laughs> and I'm the guy where like it was all. No one stood up besides family. Yeah. It was yeah. dad, sister, and two brothers. Yeah. I love that Jen was up there. I love it. <laughs> yeah, my sister was my group, my my best man. It's so darn cute. Uh, actually, my dad was, but my sister was right next to him. I mean, you did you did good. You did good, kid. I, I you've made a beautiful life out of a really intense, crazy situation, and then again, you did it again. Yeah, like you're just really good at turning really difficult things into really beautiful things. And I'm obsessed with that. Obviously, that's like why we're friends. Like you're yeah. so optimistic. You're making everyone be like, well, prison sounds like kind of tight, but like it's not though. Someone mentioned they're like, you made prison sound kind of fun. <laughs> no, <laughs> but like, clearly it's not. You just are fun. Okay. Before we end our episode, I'm going to go through the questions I asked on Instagram. Okay. Make sure we covered everyone's questions because yep. your story is just, it's incredible. Okay. So Did he always naturally light up a room and be everyone's friend before Jesus? I'm going to go ahead and answer this. I feel like he got rooms lit. (laughs) (laughs) That is funny. I knew how to turn it up. He knew how to get a party started. I mean, you still do that, but you know, responsibly. Yes. I actually encouraged Russell today to take a nap. You did. You did. Every time you've been in town, we're like recovering, like CMA Fest happened this last weekend. Right. And we're just like exhausted. And because we did live together, like Ben does turn a party up, but he also does know how to turn down. I do. You do. I know how to turn down sheets too. <laughs> and you know how to just, you know, you you actually really anticipate Russell's needs as a friend. Yeah. I don't know that everyone else does, that everyone assumes he is a certain way. And you can, you read him really well and you're like, yeah, he needs a nap. We're just going to, let's put on a movie. I told him, I was like, bro. We're not going to go work out. We're not going to walk. We're going to nap. We're going to nap. And he's, he looked at me. He's like, oh, I'm taking a nap. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I love that. Well, folks, we are halfway through 2022, but you know what? It's never too late to set yourself up for a better and brighter year. Take action today for a healthier tomorrow with Everly Well. Their at-home lab tests and vitamins and supplements can help you get the knowledge and support that you need so you can become a healthier you. Everly Well is a digital healthcare designed for you, all at an affordable and transparent price. With over 30 at-home lab tests, you'll be able to choose the test that makes the most sense for you and get the answers that you need. Like the women's health test or food sensitivity test, Everly Well has high quality vitamins and supplements to 
support your overall health. Choose from a variety of options, including vitamin D and omega-3 fish oil. Here's how it works. Everly Well ships products straight to you with everything needed in one package. To take your at-home lab test, simply collect your sample and use the included prepaid shipping label to mail your test back to a certified lab. Your physician-reviewed results will get to your phone or device in just days. And you can share your results with your primary care physician to help guide your next steps. If you order vitamins and supplements, you can start adding them to your daily routine right away. It is so simple. With over 1 million people who have trusted EverlyWell to support their health and wellness goals, you should too. I personally took their food sensitivity test and it was so awesome to see what responds best with my body, what doesn't, things to avoid. It's brought me so much clarity to my everyday life. And for listeners of the show, EverlyWell is offering a special discount of 20% off at-home lab tests at everlywell.com slash CWK. That's everlywell.com slash CWK for 20% off your next at-home lab test. Everlywell.com slash CWK. What is God teaching you in this time of your life? Just that sowing and reaping are crucial to not only your career, mm-hmm. your marriage, but also the lifestyle. Like we're like what I talked about it in the first episode, like God's called us to be abundant, overflowing. And part of that overflow is sowing and reaping into your life. And something A.W. Tozer talks about, and this has like been like the 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 key is that proximity to the throne is holiness. The closer you are to him, the more holy you know, and you can break that word down, but like, it's not because of what you're doing. It's because the, the closer you are to him, the more sensitive you are mm. to, 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 to his calling on our lives, but also to like his purpose and biblical principles, like in everything. Right. So yeah. like the closer you are to him, the more sensitive you are. And so like, I think as we, as we invest and in, so into our relationship with him, we become, you know, more aware of the things that matter. Mm. I love that. And these are on the fly, by the way. We have not I love this. We yeah. have not talked about these questions. I have no idea what you're gonna hit me with next. Okay. This person said, I'm a Christian, but I find myself doubting God sometimes. Do you? Okay. This is so good. Great question. So one thing that that God has shown me is that He's always called us to remember things mm. in our lives, right? Do this in remembrance of me, right? The communion, like all the times the children of Israel, like the time that that the children of Israel passed through the Jordan. He that he had them set up stones, yes, a memorial stones. Yeah. to remember. And there have been times where I've been super down. And I'm like, is this whole thing even real? Like, what is all this? Is yeah. this? Am I just being completely duped? But I look back at the times where I've seen God show up and there was no possible way he could have done it. And it was because I remembered something that happened. Mm-hmm. And I think as a believer, yeah, I've doubted, but I've always had these things I could look back on and be like, I remember this. So yeah. if you're a new believer and you're doubting, just let him show you a couple things. Yep. And then don't forget him. <laughs> exactly. I, I feel like that too. I like a lot of Bob stories. If you listen to part two with yeah. Daniela, such a good podcast, those, oh those stories when I was like, this can't be real. And I'm like, no, it is. And then I saw my own stuff too. And it, mm. it, it's exactly that. It's remember, remember. And there's a reason he says it. Don't forget. <laughs> this one's good. Life after jail, dot, 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 which we talked about. And the next stabbing story. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> this so, story is unbelievable. I have all your stories are, but this one truly is. If you dig through my Instagram, you'll probably see my neck has a slash wound in it <laughs> right near my jugular. Um, and I was 16 years old. I love to dance, which is wh- another reason why I love my wife so much because she is an amazing dancer. Yeah. And I went to Mexico when I was like 16 years old and I was dancing with a girl who apparently was going through an active breakup. 
Okay. So she was beautiful and we started dancing and this dude walks up to me, this Hispanic guy. And in broken English, he's like, this is my girlfriend. And I'm like, not sure if that's even accurate. Not sure who you are. Like, I don't even know you. This girl's vibing me. We're dancing. And, uh, I looked at her and I was like, you're welcome to go. Like you're free to get like, we're in the middle of dancing. I'm on the dance floor. This guy's got a bottle of Tecate, a 40 ounce bottle. If you ever seen those like brown glass bottles. And I, I told us like, you're welcome to go. Like I point, like I literally shifted my hands. I'm like, you guys need to figure this out or are we good? And she's like, and she pulled me in. She's like, no, let's keep dancing. And so I'm dancing with him, with her. And the next thing I remember is just getting blasted over my left ear with a bottle of Tecate, like a full bottle. Like I got hit in the head. Okay. Then with split second, he hit me over the ear and then stuck the bottle in my neck. And, and I, I'm still dealing with the first blow and I'm like, I need to get out of here because you, I've been arrested in Mexico one time in Tijuana. I went to jail there. And the only people, by the way, who come to the jail in there, whether you're white, Mexican, black or whatever, are the nuns, the Catholic nuns. So they bring you, they bring you tortillas. Yes. It's not tortillas, by the way, it's tortillas. Yeah. And they bring you beans and rice. And so I've been there. And so yeah. I knew I cannot get, go back to jail. This sucks. And so I slip out of the club. And as we're walking out, I've got my two friends on my left and I'm squirting blood to the second guy, not the guy next to me, but the guy next to him. My neck is shooting blood across. I mean, that's a main artery. Yeah. Hit. I nicked it. I nicked it. And so my buddy takes his shirt off, wraps it around my neck like a scarf. And out of everyone, I'm the most sober. Oh, no. Out of everyone. Everyone else is like trash. I'm like, okay, guess I got to drive home. So I'm driving home with this scarf, which has turned into an entire like Band-Aid, right? So the whole thing is soaked in blood. And I just say, I'm just going to go home. I feel better. It took me an hour to get home. I go, I'm, I'm in bed and my mom, I wake up with my- We don't encourage drinking driving, by the way. We do this not This is before encourage. Ben this was is, saved. This is pre-Christ. So, I mean, even if you don't know Jesus, don't drink. <laughs> oh, yeah. True. Very also true. that. Also, don't get stabbed in your neck. Also, maybe, yeah, don't get arrested in Mexico. True. Well, I didn't get arrested. I got out. <laughs> Which we're going to find out why you got arrested the first time. Keep going. Okay, so so I wake up to my mom screaming over me, and she's like, oh, my gosh. And there's blood all over the bed, all over the pillow. I didn't realize it was still leaking. It hadn't cauterized. You should have died. I mean. I should have died. And so I went and saw the doctor, and he was like, yeah, you've got glass shards in your neck. It goes into your neck, and then it bends like a 90-degree angle, like, like an L. And he's like, you've got like, it's just ripping your neck open as you turn your head. He's like, you've got to have surgery. And so I had to go into surgery thinking I was just going to get stitches. He's like, no, you need surgery. You got glass in your entire neck. So definitely should have died. The doctor was like, someone's watching over you. Thank you. And I was like, cool. Cool. I was like, cool. Still didn't believe in Jesus. Cool. Didn't believe in Jesus. Still didn't believe in Jesus. Wait, why did you get arrested the first time? Why were you in jail? Which Multiple time? jails. There was five. T- well, the one in Mexico. Five times you've been in jail. So I've been arrested in Mexico five times. The one time in Tijuana, I got in a fight in the bar. So I went to jail there, paid 60 bucks, got out. In Rosarita, I got arrested four times. And one time I was making out with a girl on the beach, which was very romantic. I felt like I, you know, I was like, this is, should not be a jail situation. No. You guys should just high five me. This girl's beautiful. <laughs> and the other time I got caught pissing on a cop car. Okay. I went, the other you were time hammered, I, obviously. The, the other time I got caught peeing on a cop car, but there was no cops around at the time. But apparently they have video cameras and they uh, got alerted. And then Benjamin. the other time I was jumping over the wall because I didn't want, I didn't have 20 bucks to pay to get in. I was totally broke. Like which wall? Are we talking like the wall into Mexico? No, no, no. I or? wasn't doing that vibe. <laughs> that became 
became cool in 2020. Um, <laughs> but no, I was jumping over the Papas and Beer is the club. I was jumping oh. over the walls, like a 20-foot wall. I scaled it and got caught jumping over it. Oh. And so I, I mean, that. they arrest real quick down oh, yeah. there. But here's the deal. All they want is 60 bucks. Uh. So I would always keep cash stashed in my sock. <laughs> But one time I'm in jail and I didn't have any cash because I spent it on drinks and I'm in jail and my buddy Jason, oh, you don't even know this story. My buddy Jason's like, let's break out. And there's a toilet. It's like the old like Western style jails with yeah. the metal bars in the front with a toilet and a, be- and a concrete bench. So Jason's like, let's break out. He breaks the toilet, the porcelain toilet, and he finds this triangular piece and starts chipping at like the window. That's like a 12 inch by 36 inch wide window uh-huh. and we're trying to break out and I, for some reason i don't stop him i'm just like let's do it <laughs> and he breaks the toilet which they totally heard then he's got this glass shard in his hand he's like chopping at the window trying to get out and the guards walk up and they're like what are you doing and they pull out their can of mace uh-huh. off of his hip and it comes out like a sp- like a super soaker remember the super soakers yeah. this dude is like hitting us with a stream the size of your pinky and we're getting blasted with this pepper spray and jason's got his hand completely cut open from the glass shard from the toilet uh-uh. and these guys are like you're so dumb so now we had to get 120 dollars to get out but i had no money but i had my debit card so i managed to go across the street and go get 120 bucks out they like just let you go to the atm they're like they, they sure, escorted go ahead. me in the cop car i know I, I just I'll be can't. 21. I literally can't with you and your stories. It seems just like not real. Okay. Okay. Final question. Okay. I love this as a final question. Okay. What is your favorite thing about Samo? Oh, so after the divorce, my biggest thing was loyalty, mm-hmm. right? Because that's what you want in a spouse. You want someone to be loyal. And she loved to dance. And I knew she was a virgin, but I knew she liked to dance. And in my world, dancing equaled promiscuousness right yeah. so when i when i when i looked at her i was like this girl likes to go dancing like not clubbing dancing just like you know just yeah, go have fun, fun. she's yeah. super fun she's a she's a beautiful i mean she went to college and like all the spanish boys loved her they're like this girl knows how to dance like she's really good and when i saw her i was like i'm going to get cheated on again like this girl's going to go to a club and some boy's going to make out with her and i'm going to be divorced again and Cammy came up to me one day and I was like, Cammy, can I ask you a question? I'm really concerned with Samo and like the fact that she like, like, you know, she likes to dance. And she looked at me in the eyes and she's like, Ben, listen to me. Samo is loyal to the bone. Mm. You'll never, ever, ever have to question her loyalty. And she's like, she's been my best friend since third grade and she's always had my back. And the second she said that, I was like, I'm marrying this girl. Yeah. So that's my favorite quality about her. Besides all the other I mean, I've got a thousand of them, but that, that loyalty was the loyalty was what got me to commit to being in this marriage with her. Mm-hmm. With I love her. that too. Like, obviously you notice she's gorgeous cause she is, but the next thing you saw was her worship yes. too. And you're like, heck yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm just in. like all in loving Jesus. Then you find out she's loyal and she's wonderful. Yeah. I mean, she's incredible. I'm so glad that we get to do this life with y'all. Like, yes. it's like, the, like what a gift. And now you're trying to get us to move to Nashville. I am. Oh, guys, <laughs> add it to your prayers. <laughs> We're done. We're done with them in Dallas. Sorry to the family members listening to this Love who want you. them to stay in Dallas. <laughs> it's not going to happen. I'm praying for it. That's so amazing. it's coming. It's coming. We miss you here. We love you. I love you. Thank you for freaking blessing my people. They love you so much. No surprise. I mean, you're one of our favorite humans on the entire planet. 
That's amazing. I love you so much. Well, thank you for having me. And you have an amazing podcast. And I love listening to it. So I'm honored to be here. I love you. Thanks, Benny. Well, that's a wrap, my friends. That is a wrap on season two of Coffee with Kaylee. Shout out to all of my guests this season. They've made it so special. And thank you, thank you, thank you to all of you who welcome this podcast into your car your homes, your walks, your friendships. It really means the whole world to me. So don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss us when we come back. I'm going to be missing you guys. I love you and I'll talk to you soon.